Hey, Islanders, a quick announcement from Brandon here. Um, I wanted to say this episode was recorded before the shelter in place and before all, it, most of the information had come out about the coronavirus. Um, so we were actually still able to do this in person, this interview, um, as well as you'll hear us talk about like the information that's starting to come out. Um, but know that at this point, nothing had been really put in place. And so we were, they were still figuring things out. Anyways, just want to give that a quick disclaimer. Um, so this was recorded well before that. Anyways, um, yeah, let's get into the episode. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 39 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the founder of Three Roosters Nursery. Please welcome Bob Schrofer. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak to Bob Schrofer, who's the founder of Three Roosters Nursery here on Camino Island. Um, and, and what that does is they do pottery, he does pottery and, uh, has worked with the art, um, some of the artists and, and done a lot of the art shows in the area and, and abroad. Um, but I knew Bob Schrofer because, uh, he's actually the dad to one of my best friends, um, Wesley, who I'm hopefully going to get on the podcast at some point. Uh, he's a pilot, but anyways, I digress. Um, so Bob, I've known him for a long time and, uh, he's just been, I mean, he's hilarious when you're talking with him, and um, I've really been looking forward to this interview um, because the other thing is, uh, growing up, Bob Schrofer was someone that knew a little bit or a lot of it about so many different things. Um, so whenever we had, um, whenever my friend or I were having issues with like cars or anything, like we could always ask Bob, and he'd be like, "Well." Yeah, I think you can do this. And so he just had this great knowledge base. And I was always wondering, like, how, where did this all come from? Like, how did he learn so much about so many different aspects? Um, so now I know um, after going through the interview. Uh, so you get to hear about his kind of life experiences, all the different fields that he's been involved in. Um, so anyways, had a great time in this interview. And I know you guys will, too. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bob Schrofer. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice, and today I have the founder of Three Roosters Nursery with me. Welcome to the show, Bob Schrofer. Thanks, Brandon. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Bob. Well, let me first say congratulations. This is an awesome podcast thing you're doing, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. I like listening to it, so keep it up, man. Yeah, thank great, you. Great job. Well, first, uh, my name's Bob, but that's spelled with one O, not two. Most people make that mistake, but you know, that's okay. Um, you laugh, but it's true. <laughs> um, I'm from, uh, Niagara Falls, New York. That's where I grew up. Um, used to, um, I didn't have any choice. That's where my parents lived. Uh, my dad worked for a company called DuPont and they also owned a restaurant called, uh, Chicken Delight. It was like, don't cook tonight, call Chicken Delight. And we had a little Morris Minor with a little chicken on the roof, and we'd do the deliveries and stuff. And it was it was kind of cool. Ate a lot of chicken back then. <laughs> uh, 
uh, anyway, um, so go, Niagara Falls is cool. You know, I mean, um, it's, I used to ride my bicycle all around Niagara Falls. In fact, if you guys ever go out there, the best time, in my opinion, is to go um, uh, mid-September to mid-October. All the bugs are dead. It's not humid. And I tell you, living out here and going back there, the humidity will kill you. Well, not kill you, but you, you'll be uncomfortable. And um, so you can ride your bicycle on the American side. There's uh, the American Falls, and then there's three little islands called Three Sisters. You can ride out there. Um, there's a, a little thing called Cave of the Winds. You can go down, uh, down below the falls and walk around. They give you a little raincoat. Um, and then you can ride over to Canada side uh, across the Rainbow Bridge and, and look at all that. It's actually the best place to see the falls at night when they throw the colored lights on them. And um, so it's, it's pretty cool, and it's a great way to, to see that area. A lot of history back there, too. Um, there was the Devil's Hole. There was a massacre there back in the 17-something. Fort Niagara was a British fort. Um, there's a fort on the Canadian side at the mouth of the Niagara River. And it was just a lot, a lot of uh, history, which is kind of cool. And then the leaves change, which is really, really... This is the one thing I miss about living out here is, is the leaves don't change. <laughs> they just, you know, go from green to yellow. <laughs> Back there, it's just a multitude of colors, and sometimes what's really, what was really fun, and uh, living so close to the falls, I used to go like almost every day, and um, the mist from the falls would go on to the trees at night, and and the and, and it got cold at you know towards winter, and then the the mist would freeze, so you hit there in the morning, and the sun comes out, and and it would look like every leaf was sugar coated. It was really really pretty. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it was really neat. Very cool. It sounds like you should be a tour guide over there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, it's like any any place you live, you know, uh, you had Mike Nestor on. I mean, he, he, you know, he's like the tour guide of Camino, you know, I mean, he knows everything about the island. So, I mean, it was, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Very cool. So did you start working in uh, Chicken Delight then with your parents? Yeah, I, I was a, uh, I made coleslaw. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I did, you know, and bring the chicken up to the front and it was all deep fried and we had pizza. Um, it's actually a Canadian firm. I think there's a few left up in Canada, which oh, is okay. kind of cool. Yeah. Nice. It, it was fun. Yeah. So then, um, so did you grow up all, all through high school over there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I went to Niagara Wheatfield high school, home of the Falcons. Woohoo. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't play sports. I, um, I was more into the wood shop stuff, uh, type things. And, um, and, and the art classes. It's kinda, okay. It was my thing. And then, you know. Nice. Yeah. So then, um, what, where'd you go after high school? Well, right after high school, I worked for an electrician. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, that was after. Right out of high school, me and a friend, his name was Randy. We took his car, which was like, you know, fill up the oil and check the gas. Uh, <laughs> we went to Vegas. And I was a dishwasher in Vegas for, uh, we just drove out there and said, let's go to Vegas. Okay, let's go. And we went to Vegas and, you know, it was like dumb, but we did it, you know, and we weren't 21 yet. We couldn't do anything except work. So we worked and I was, you know, ate good though, because they feed you pretty good in those restaurants if you work in the restaurant. So, and I came home, we ran out of money, had to say, hey, mom, dad, I need, I need bus fare, you know, the car broke, <laughs> you know, and we're broke. And, you know, anyway, so I came back home and I, um, I moved, um, out of, out of the house with some high school friends and we lived in downtown Niagara Falls, 
um, on 7th Street. We had a, um, uh, it was a house and it was split down the middle. So there was like three apartments on one side and three apartments on the other side. And uh, we had the top two apartments on one side and there was prostitutes on the other side. And it was, it was interesting, um, you know, and, and of course we, it was the, you know, late sixties, early seventies. And, and there was a lot of, um, what should I say? Drug use. Um, but you know, uh, you do what you do and wow. then you regret it later. Um, anyway, we had a lot of fun. I worked for, uh, one of my friend's names was Brian. His dad was a electrician. And so, um, I got to do a lot of electrical work. Uh, we, we he would do, uh, we, there's a, a amusement park called Darien Lake. It's in, it's not too far from Buffalo, but it's, it's out in the country and we did, uh, all the wiring there. We, we wired the buildings and all that kind of good stuff, all the high, we did like what PUD does and, and then we do inside stuff as well. So that was, that was really cool. Um, I worked with a guy named Herb who was, a uh, a lineman. He had worked for the, um, the PUD of, of Niagara Falls, which is called Niagara Mohawk. And uh, and then he quit and went to Vietnam and worked as a lineman. And he came back and he had a lot of stories and half of them weren't true. <laughs> but, you know, it, he taught me a lot about line work and it was it was fun. It was learned a lot. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's pretty much what I did out of high school. And, OK. Yeah. So then where was uh, how long did you guys actually stay in Las Vegas then? Oh, we were there probably six months. OK. Yeah. Yeah, enough to get in trouble. Okay. You know, we got, we were sleeping in this van, and we, got, we, we just pull onto a street and sleep, you know, instead of going to a Walmart parking lot. But um, the cops came one night, and told us we can't do that anymore. So it was, you know, time to time to leave Vegas, you know, <laughs> vagrants. Uh, it's legal now, but it wasn't back then. Yeah. Um, so then. <clears throat> um, so then you started doing uh, electrician work. Um, what, where would you go from there? Did you ever go to, um, were you ever looking at colleges or anything like that? No, no, I wasn't. I, I just did, didn't want to go that way. Um, what I did do as I went to um, Wisconsin, that's where my sister lived, and um, she was married to, um, her, her, her husband's name is Bruce, and he has a, a brother named Bernie, and they um, actually invented... Uh, the bean picker uh, for farmers. Oh, okay. Uh, single row, double row, and a multi-row bean pickers. And um, so they made them in a little town called Clear Lake, Wisconsin, and they made everything right there. And so what I did was I put that stuff together. I, okay. I built the bean pickers, mounted them on. They used Ford, tracker, Ford tractors back then. Ford doesn't make tractors now. It's New Holland. But back then it was Ford tractors. And so I built bean pickers and mounted them on the trailer and then put them on the railroad cars and shipped them out. So it was kind of fun. And then they're also, they were also into, um, my, my brother-in-law and his brother were into um, um, Civil War reenactment. And so they, they had a couple of cannons, and we'd, we'd go to what they call cannon shoots. And, and then they would um, shoot their cannons, you know, and all these guys dressed up in Civil War stuff. It was, you know, it was a club kind yeah. of, you know, and it was fun. Every, you know, it's like, a, it's like going to a Comic-Con or something. You know, you dress up and be a nerd, but it's, it's harmless. <laughs> Except and for there's cannons. There's but. cannons, but, you know, they shoot at targets. They actually, um, uh, what was it, Fort McMurray? 
I can't remember the name of the fort exactly, but they, they did a shoot against, um, and the cannons were rifled in the Civil War. I don't know if you knew that. Some of them were, the modern ones were, were rifled so they could get the, the projectile to go where they wanted to. And they had a lot of windage gauges and stuff that stuck on the back of the cannon. A lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. Okay. And um, so um, they actually shot against the military and they beat them with their Civil War cannon. Wow. As a, I think the, they were using a howitzer or something. That was kind of cool. Wow. You know, um, they were just shooting at targets, of course, but, you know, it was it was kind of fun. And then, uh, of course, we got the, the mus- not the muskets, but the, um, I think about the Springfields, is that what they're called? The the, the rifles they used in the war, okay. in, in Civil War. They were pretty accurate, really long and very accurate. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they shot, I think it was a 55 caliber bullet. I think that's what it was. It's a long time ago. I don't remember too much, but it yeah. was it was a lot of fun learning. And they built my <clears throat> brother-in-law and his brother. They built the wheels. The, they built the cannon carriages. That was their thing. They wouldn't build the cannon itself. They would get a cannon barrel and they would build a carriage to the specifications of the Civil War ones. So wow. the exact replicas. Okay. And um, so it, it was. It was interloud. It's. It's. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. You know. Yeah. So that's very cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as a kid, there was. And I'm terrible at like dating, trying to find when I w- what age I was or anything. But I know that um, that me and one of my friends, and I, I thought Wes was there as well. We went to a some sort of Renaissance reenactment, but at the very end of it, they did shoot a cannon, mm. and um, it was at some Washington museum as part of our Washington State history trips. Oh right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I remember going to that and like you know we were. We, we were such bad, like, students of yeah. the Washington history. <laughs> well, you know, you're a kid, right? You know. Yeah. So our this um, kind of pseudo-grandma would take us to all of these different museums and have us look at everything. And, you know, usually about five minutes into it, you'd find us in the corner playing, uh, like, a dice game or a yeah. card game. <laughs> like scouts when you played Risk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, and then at the very end, they're like, oh, but there's going to be a cannon shoot. So then they we did that and yeah. that was all that was really cool but it was yeah. like they were like cover your ears and then even with that like the impact everything it was yeah it was pretty cool so well the neat thing about it was they had uh, there was a lot of uh, well i don't know if you call it neat because it, you know everything's designed to kill people but the the round balls they would put a powder inside of them and then they would put a put a fuse and they would depending <clears throat> the 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 guy who was in charge of aiming the cannon and the, um, he would tell them how to carve this fuse so it, it would explode at a certain time. It would hit the powder and explode at a certain time. So as it's going through the air, it's spinning, and the air is making the fuse burn, right? Right. And then they would, um, the yardage, wherever they figured the yardage was, where they wanted the thing to blow up, they would, it would blow up at that point. Yeah. You know, which is kind of cool. And, yeah. then, and the rifling worked because they had two hard shells on, or like uh, steel or whatever on one side, and lead was in the center of this thing, and they're fused together. And then when, the, when it fired, it would squeeze this projectile together, which would force the lead into the grooves of the rifling and make it spin so they get a really straight shot. Yeah. And then they had grape shot, which was like uh, putting a whole bunch of steel balls into a, a like a tomato can or something and firing that, and it was just devastating to people. Right. You know, they just do all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. Kind of like you a know. massive shotgun. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, if you ever get a chance to go to Gettysburg, uh, I would recommend it. It's, um, 
it's pretty awesome. Um, you can do these drive-through tours of uh, Pennsylvania, and you can and and uh, you can just um, like Pickett's Charge. You can just look at the one at the Yankee end, and you can look at the Confederate end, and it's just like, oh my gosh, they really did this, right? You know, it's just incredible um, fortitude those guys had. Just incredible, <laughs> unbelievable, really. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, got off track there. No, no, that's. Um, yeah, we haven't really jumped into history in, on this yet, so there okay. we go. Um, <clears throat> very cool. So you were off. You were doing this in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, what? Did, how long were you there then? I was there probably three, maybe four years, and then I joined the army. I had a I had a girlfriend, and I was head over heels, and basically she dumped me. So I I just wanted to get out of Dodge. <laughs> So I joined the army. Not the smartest thing in the world to do. I wouldn't recommend it, believe me. <laughs> but you know, you do. You you know, you're idiots when you're young. So you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's how I ended up out here. I uh, okay. I ended up at uh, I went to Fort Leonard, Missouri, for uh, basic training, and then I went to um, I was a 36 C20, which is a field wireman, which basically means I'm I'm right there with a the medic to get picked off. You know, communications and medics, you pick them both off first, right? And I recruiter didn't tell me that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll be installing telephones. <laughs> I never saw a telephone. <laughs> Actually, I ended up in the motor pool. I never saw a field wire either. So, I mean, it was just crazy. But they were pulling people out of Vietnam at the time. It was, okay. it was 74 or 5, uh, and they were pouring pulling people out. So basically we were just standing around twiddle, twiddling our thumbs. Okay. But it got me out here. And, you know, I remember, uh, w w see, I went to Fort Gordon, Georgia first for training, and then I got sent out here. And then I remember when I was here for three days, they, and it rained for three days. Right? <laughs> and uh, I had never seen mountains because there's no mountains. I mean, there's mountains, but not mountains like we have out here. Right, right. And I had never, ever seen a mountain. And... Um, other than, you know, uh, Disneyland, you know, the every the Walt, wild word of Disney every Sunday night, you know, with Walt Disney and they'd show the mountain that they, anyway, um, uh, where was I? Oh yeah. I was at Fort Lewis, been there for three days, it's raining. They put you in a holding pattern. It's called uh, like a, just till they decide where they're going to put you on the base. Right. So you're just yeah. kind of getting used to the base. They encourage you to find out where everything is, the PX and you know, all the blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so the, the fourth day, the sun came out. I walked around a building, and there's Mount Rainier. You know, Fort Lewis is real close to Mount Rainier. Okay. And there's Mount Rainier, and I'm like, gulp, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, and the first guy I saw was this sergeant. I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't know who he was. There's, there's, a, there's a mountain. <laughs> and he's like, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He says, okay, son, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> you know? And it was like, but, 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 but it's a mountain. <laughs> you know? And it was like, wow. You know, so it was it was pretty pretty mind blowing, really. You yeah. Know? Um, anyway, so so I I basically was stuck in a motor pool. I I I always been I always liked photography, so I they have uh, they had a photography uh, shop that the guys could use. So um, I would go, you know, I take pictures of the guys and give them eight by tens and stuff, yeah. and kind of made me kind of semi popular. I wasn't uh, there was a lot of prejudice. Um, so I, I had to figure out a way to avoid being called a cracker, uh, which means it's a white person, right? Um, 
and there was and it was wasn't just between black and white. There were you know it was Puerto Ricans. There was you know they had, they had a lot of what they call NCO clubs, non commissioned officer clubs on Fort Lewis at that time, and they still do, I'm sure. And there was the Puerto Rican club. There was the black club. There was the white club. There was the cowboy club, uh, the rock and roll club. And you just if you weren't into that particular. Uh, uh, vain. You didn't go into those clubs. You just did not. You just knew you didn't go into them. And so there was a lot of fights, you yeah. know, stuff like that. So I, I figured I need to survive this. So I would I would take pictures of the, uh, all the guys in my company and other people too. Anybody who asked, and, I, and it's all black and white, you know, and everything was free. All the film was free. The paper was free. Developing chemicals were free, and I would take eight by ten pictures of uh, all the guys and just give them to them, you know. And it was like. You know, leave that white boy alone, yeah. Because he's taking our picture, you know, and so I—that's how I survived that particular. Um, it was insane. I mean, it was it was pretty insane. We had a police call every morning, and um, uh, and, and and every night these guys would be throwing their beer cans and their cigarette butts out the window, you know. And it's like, you know, you guys, if and and then they complain about police call in the morning, right? Yeah. So I said, you guys. If you don't do that, then we don't have to pick them up. And there's a term they use. I probably, it's the army, <laughs> blank the army. Uh, and, um, you know, it's like, oh, okay. And I thought to myself, I am in the wrong place. <laughs> I should have joined the Air Force. <laughs> you know, so so I started going over to the Air Force Base, which is right next door to McCar- McCord Air Force Base. And uh, they needed a, a projectionist in their movie theater. And uh, I don't, I didn't know anything about that. And this is the old, you know, that there's two projection uh, uh, cameras in the, uh, up in the booth, right? Yeah. And if you look on some of the movies, you'll, as, as it gets to the end of the movie, you'll see a black spot appear. Yeah. And then like 10 seconds later, there's another one. And that's at that time when the first spot appears, you get the second camera running and then when that second, you switch over cameras when you see the second spot. Oh, okay. So they trained me, and I, I did that for the rest of my time at Fort Lewis. Okay. And um, I just go, after I got done working, I go over and, 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 and show movies. I remember one, I remember one time there was a, 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 a mom and daughter ran the concession stand. And I remember one night I went in there, and um, they're bawling. I mean, just crying. You know, nobody's there yet, right? And... And I'm going, what's wrong? And, and they had Southern accents. And they're going, you don't know? You don't know? Elvis died today. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> How do you not know that? I sound like Bill Clinton there, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I did not have intimate relationships with that woman. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> uh, so I went upstairs and showed the movie. I can't tell you how many times I saw, like, Grease and, uh, <laughs> you know, what's that other one? Uh, no, it was Grease. Uh, and, then, uh, and then I worked, just to jump forward, I, uh, do you remember the Thunderbird Drive-In in Marysville? No. It's where Roy Robinson Chevrolet is right now. Okay. And that was the Thunderbird Drive-In. It was run by this little old lady. And I actually worked there for, after I, and we'll get to that part, but I actually worked there. And I also worked in downtown Everett at the theater there as a projectionist. Okay. And that was the old time. Now they don't do that. They have the new uh, technological improved projections. You know, they're idiot proof, right? <laughs> I made a few mistakes, believe me. I was, 
And I could, I'll tell you one real quick at the Thunderbird drive-in, I was, um, I had, I had put the reels in. So there's, there's a reel, there's two reels, right? You've probably seen pictures of these yeah, old machines. Yeah. There's like an arc, uh, like a welder's arc that makes the light and it's a big mirror in the back and it shines out. And so you put the reels in and then you get the second camera ready. Most films are about six reels. Okay. You know, roughly, right? Five to six, six to seven. And then um, you put the um, the reels in and you, you flip this little lever over and that locks them in place, right? Well, I didn't flip the little lever over and I went downstairs to BS with the, you know, the cute girls at the concession stand. And I'm sitting there, you know, and, and all of a sudden, crash, and the screen goes white, right? Oh, no. Beep, 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 you know, I run upstairs, the film's on the floor, I'm like, oh, jeez, you know, and so you got to roll a bunch of film out to get it through the, you know, through the mechanism, and so they, they missed about, you know, five minutes of the film, you know, it's like the helicopter's flying, you know, and then the next thing they see, it's taking off, you know, and I got talked to about that one, that wasn't good. Uh, Another fun thing. Well, it wasn't fun, but you know, they always showed two. Uh, they always showed two um, features. Okay. Right? So and it, you know and the, what well, doesn't get dark here until ten, right? right? So you know it's like you're two thirty, well two two thirty in the morning, right? Well, rough. I don't know. It was dark and it was late, and uh, I'd have to go wake wake up. That's air quotes. <laughs> wake up the people in their cars. Hey, <clears throat> movie's over. <laughs> Time to go home, please. <laughs> you know, I didn't like that part, but, you know, it was, it was part and parcel with the, you know, I'm the only one there. I mean, the concessions people are gone, right? <laughs> I've got to go out. That was my, uh, then I have to lock the gate and all that kind of stuff. Oh. It was uh, fun. And people would drive off with the, with the uh, mic in their cars. Mm. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> the thing sounds terrible anyway. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Use a speaker in the garage? I mean, geez. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, I, I, I uh, kind of got off track. No, but that's that's great. It was um, it was fun. So that all started with the doing. So when you were doing that for the uh, at the other base, then you were just doing it on the side, like it wasn't actually part of your service. Or no, it was, I, it was a job. I got paid for. Oh, it. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was fun though. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, and it, you know what it did? It got me away from the barracks. Yeah, you know. So it was my whole thing was survival back then because it was it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, fun. Yeah, you know, I just wasn't into the. I was. I've never been into the drinking, going to the bar and drinking. It's just not me. It's not what I do, and uh, I was like the only one not doing that. Right. So it was um, different. Everybody's, you know, trying to impress everybody, and you know, everybody's got a story, right? You know, they they come back from Tacoma at that time. You know, all the GIs had really short hair. Okay. And all everybody else had really long hair. Mm-hmm. Now it's just reverse now, kind of, you know. <laughs> but um, no, not really. Everybody has short hair now or no hair. You know, <laughs> like me. <laughs> anyway, um, so y- if you go to town, it's like nobody wanted to be around a GI because you know Vietnam wasn't popular. Right, right. right. So it was, it was, it wasn't uh, a very accepting culture to the military. So um, I didn't go to town much. You know, I uh, I hung out, took a lot of walks. Fort Lewis, there's just tons and tons of places you can walk. I mean, yeah. it's a huge, huge base so i would do that and and working in the motor pool i got to drive the jeep around and, and pick up parts from somebody else some other motor pool we needed a part for this truck or that truck and i'd say go get it from you know this company over there so then i got to be a little i got to meet some of the other motor pool people and we had a little um kind of thing going on where we could exchange parts 
you know, if we needed to to do. Because at that time, you, you weren't allowed to store parts, which is like, really? <laughs> you know, and it was just weird, weird stuff. But yeah, yeah it's just the way it goes. Yeah. The military. But it was fun driving some of those trucks. Yeah, you know, I'm I, sure. I drove a five ton. I drove um, deuces to deuce mm. and a halfs and je- everything down to a Jeep. Um, it was really kind of fun it was all that vietnam or korean war type vehicles you know so it was kind of cool yeah that part of it nice so then um then post-military what'd you do once you got out then well i got out and i was uh, at that time i was living in Lacey, which is just outside of olympia and i got a job for a construction outfit and we we're building homes and so I did that for a couple of years. And then I decided to, I got in with the, I don't say wrong crowd, but um, I'll just say they weren't exactly the kind of people I wanted to hang out with. Yeah. Um, they just made me uncomfortable with some of the things they were doing. So I decided to um, get out of Dodge, as it were, before something happened. And... Um, so I have the GI Bill, and I, I, I thought, well, I go to photography school. You know, I just, eh, why not? So I, I, I looked up photography schools, and there's one up in Everett, Washington. Okay. Uh, Everett Community College. <clears throat> so I, I said, okay. So I told my boss, and he said, ah, cool, all right. I'm going to miss you, blah, blah, blah. I, I like, he's a nice guy, really super nice guy. I really like working for him and everything. I just needed to get... Out of out of that area, away yeah. from those people. You know, sometimes you just need to put some distance between you and um, some negative stuff. Yeah. So I did that and uh, came up to Everett, and I met people that were like uh, like minded and and um, into good healthy things like hiking and canoeing and you know all that kind of cool stuff and uh, photography. And then that's where I started pottery. I took pottery there. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, so I did a lot of, uh, photography. I did a lot of hiking. I did a lot of canoeing at that time. And, um, it was just like a whole new world that never existed for me before. Cause I didn't growing up, my parents were so busy. I, we never did anything. Okay. You know, and I was in Cub Scouts when I was a kid, but you know, I was at a den mother's and, and plus her heart, but I mean, all we were making popsicle sticks, <laughs> you know, things. And I'm like, this is not scouts, you know, I want to go camp because I didn't understand it was Cub Scouts, right? So they do that kind of, but you know, I was, I wanted to do something fun, you know, and anyway, I quit. So, um, and I kind of regretted a little bit knowing what you guys went through. You had a lot of fun. Although I have to say, I wouldn't send my kids to scouts now. I just, yeah, they've gone down the wrong path. But anyway, um, so I, I came up here and I met a lot of, a lot of, you know, best friend type things and did the pottery and I uh, was living, I was working on, uh, no, I had the GI Bill still, but if you don't go to school, you don't get it. So in the summer months, I had to get a job. Well, I couldn't get a job one summer. And uh, and I had met a lot of friends, other other people at the school, you know, and we were actually, it was, it was really a fun time. I mean, it was it was exciting. Everything was alive. Everything was new. Yeah, um, it, was, it was it was really fun. How old were you during this time? I was twenty twenty five, I think. Twenty four, twenty five. Wow. Okay. Something like that. You had done a lot by twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And so, um, living in Everett, um, I, I was on the GI Bill and. Oh, I had, actually, that's right, I left the whole thing out. I went to Germany for a year and a half and lived over there. And I worked for the military in, in their um, 
Armed Forces. Okay. They call it AFES, Armed Forces <clears throat> Recreation Services. I think they call it something different now. But anyway, I worked in a town called Garmish. I lived there and worked, and I, so that was a blast. I mean, I had a, a really appreciation for uh, a, a good beer. And when I came back, there was like <laughs> no craft beer anymore. And it was just like the normal run-of-the-mill stuff. I won't mention any names, but yeah. one with a B that still can't handle it. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, just the, the, the different, not only are they different beers, but they come in different glasses. They have a glass for every type of beer, right? Oh, okay. So the Pilsner comes in kind of, it looks kind of like a wine glass, not really, and a, and a Dunkel or a dark beer comes in a uh, like a tumbler and a Hefeweizen, which is a wheat beer, comes in a really tall glass because you have to pour it in a certain way, otherwise it just blows out of the glass. Yeah. And it's they're like cellar temperature. They're not... They're not... Uh, refrigerated. Refrigerated. Or, yeah. Went to Oktoberfest a couple times. Um, anyway, I came back... Um, and, and and then I had gone to school, went to Germany, and then I came back and went back to school. Okay. And by that time, the people that I had met and, and hung out with had moved on, so I met a new group of people. But uh, I ran out of money. I was still on a GI Bill, and instead of getting a job, I decided to go out to Skagit Flats and live out there for a month. Okay. So I lived out there. All I had was a canoe and, and a couple of, uh, um, you know, things of food and then I would go out every day I'd go out and I'd fish and I'd go out and um, there were some farmers fields out there and I'd go you know take some food you know <laughs> you know sneak over they didn't have to sneak but you know nobody's out there <laughs> but I, I got really tan too and I lost I probably lost about 50 pounds you know and I came back and I, I looked like Moses you know I mean I was a big beard you know and everything <laughs> dark and it was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. It was lonely, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I met, th- so there's river people, people who live on the river out there full time. <clears throat> well, there was at that time. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but there's duck hunting shacks out there. Okay. So um, uh, there was some, there's a couple that are uh, well established. And uh, there was, I, I met this old boy and, and we, we, we became friends and I'd go up, you know, and park at his dock and, and go up and we'd just sit there and talk all day. Not all day, but, you know all day and then I got dumped out there which was really I had a girlfriend and um and uh she knew I was out there and and one day where I'm sitting up on his dock I mean up up on his on his house on his his deck I mean not yeah. dock the dock's down below and I see this kayak coming you know and, and I look and I go well that's uh I'm not gonna mention her yeah name. yeah that's uh that's my girlfriend <laughs> and she's with another guy and she's like hello <laughs> I was like, well, you little, you know, and, and I, and I, and I told him, he goes, well, I don't think she's your girlfriend anymore, you know, and I'm like, wow, I'm out here all by myself, and you do this to me, you know, I was like, gosh, you, you know, I said all kinds of fun oh. things, you know, anyway, they came back a little while later, and, you know, we were still sitting there, and, and, you know, I was just like, yeah, you know, I wanted to, it just, be nice. <laughs> anyway, so that that hurt. You know, I up all night thinking about that one. What did I do? You know. Yeah. Well, you know, what or what didn't I do? <laughs> Probably shouldn't have gone out there. You know. <laughs> Probably should have paid more attention. You know. I'm going out in the woods for a month. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Hope you wait for me. You know. I didn't think about that kind of stuff. Anyway, so uh, so I went back to school, and then mm. I needed a place to stay. So. Um, there was this house, I met some people, um, and they had an extra room. And it was 3410 Colby, 
Avenue, downtown Everett. Yeah. Colby Avenue is on the very top of the of the hill. And um, now there's, a, I don't know, apartments or something there. Anyway, they had a room. So I, I asked, and it was all women, and I asked them if, uh, I, I, her name was Stephanie, and I said, hey, Stephanie, she was in the art department with me. Okay. And I said, I know you got a room. I know you're, you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, they had a meeting and they said I could move in. So I did. And that's where I met Amy, my wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. We had a pillow fight and fell in love. <laughs> and uh, something about those pillows. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> anyway, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun parties there, um, Halloween parties, you know, all kinds of Thanksgiving dinners and stuff. And it was, it was, that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, then we got married. Uh, a couple years later, and we moved to Mukatillo, and we lived like two doors, two doors, yeah, two doors down from Arnie's. You know where Arnie's is? No, uh, it's just up from the ferry dock. Okay, up on the hill across yep. the across the railroad bridge, and then um, so we lived there, and then uh, we had our first kid there, Ursula, and then um, we moved out to a friend of mine, Lou. He's a cabinet maker. He uh, he was living in Lake Stevens, and he moved, and that house came available, and we decided, you know, to move there. So we moved out there, and that's where Wes was born. Uh, well, he was born in the hospital, but, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, and then from there, we moved up to Camino Island <clears throat> uh, because the, the house was was sold. Uh, it was a rental, and the property it was on a farm, and they wanted the developer came in and offered the owner uh, an offer he couldn't resist. And so we had to move. So okay. we came up to Camino and started looking, and we found a place <clears throat> over on the east side on Chapman Road. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's where we came up here. Yeah, and that was the, the uh, Mike Nestor was talking about the uh, shipwreck. That was still there. Actually, okay. ate, we actually ate there a couple of times. Okay. And uh, there was only one light uh, by Les Schwab's, and it was a blinking yellow. You know, there was nothing. There was a Farmette. It was the only thing that was up, up by Hagen's, or Farmette was where McDonald's is. Okay. And um, that was all that was there. It was just fields, you know, and it was, and the, the road was a lot narrower then, uh, 532. And there just, uh, there just wasn't a lot of stuff. There was a bank, Whidbey Island Bank was at uh, the, the corner here. They're really sorry they moved, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, we blew that one, guys. Uh, let's go to the plaza. <laughs> anyway, uh, Coastal's happy. Uh, you know, so... Um, uh, let's see. So I came up here, and this was with the kids, and we met you guys. The kids, the kids, you know, started. We just started homeschooling. We homeschooled. Yeah, we're nerds. We're homeschoolers. <laughs> and uh, and the reason is, the reason Amy and I wanted to homeschool is because neither one of us had a good time in high school. Yeah, it was just horrible. We both of us hated high school. She's she's from San Diego, and I'm from New York. So I mean, two different states, but the same experiences, you know, yeah. the bullies, the, I mean, what I've come, I, I really despise bullies and predators. I just, they just irk me to no end. And, uh, and, and part of that is from our high school experience. So we decided that we didn't want our kids to, to experience that. And it turned out, I mean, you know, they're both educated. They both have, Wes has two degrees. Ursula has two, I think, or one, I, I don't remember. And, um, and so, and they're both degrees that you can make money at. Yeah. You know, they're not in the humanities. So uh, no knocking there, just the truth. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, 
Yeah. So, so, so oh, go I got, got way off track here. I don't even know no. where, where we are in this thing. I'm just <laughs> rattling along. No, this is great because, um, well, I didn't never know how you had met your wife. Um, uh, love your guys' family. Been good friends with them for a long time. Um, uh, Wes was my best man in, in our wedding. And, um, you know, so now he's, now he's a pilot. So he's, well, he's been flying all over the place. So I haven't been able to see him as much. But every time he comes to town, you should get to say hi to him. Yeah. Um, he always wants to look you up. <laughs> yeah, I know he does. He goes, I want to go see Brandon, you know, so, or, and then when, um, when, uh, um, what's his name? Xander. Xander worked here. Yeah. Yeah. He I want to see Brandon Xander. Yeah. 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 No. And, um, I think what's interesting is you've had this, um. And Tobin too. Yeah. Yeah. All of our, the friends have been around and known Can I, can I ask time. you something? Yes. I'm very curious whether the, you and Tobin had this carabiner thing. <laughs> um, maybe we shouldn't talk about it on the radio. I was just curious. I mean, what was the... So where that, at least to my recollection, where that started was um, we would usually go, after church, we would go and hang out. Um, a lot of times we would do bike rides around the island um, or we would just go meet up at the plaza. And uh, so one of the places we would go, when we went to the plaza, we'd, we, we were all really poor. So we'd be able to buy like one thing out of the deli and then usually a drink. Well, for a while there, the plaza got these drinks in called Trek. And I don't even remember how they tasted. They probably tasted terrible. But what was neat about them was that they came in aluminum bottles with a carabiner hook, kind of like the water bottles that everyone's selling now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't buy them back then, or at least I didn't know that you could. And these these drinks were just in those water bottles. Oh. So they were aluminum water bottles with a carabiner top thing on it, and then it had a carabiner on it. And um, that, like, we started, you know, we went there and we're like, oh, these are cool. So we got one, and and then we kept the carabiner, and we just, because we were bored, you know, put it on our belt loop or whatever and had it. Well, I usually always took things to the nth degree when it came to things. So, like, before yeah. long, I would go get a drink every Sunday, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll just keep, you know, piling the carabiners on. Well, before you know it, I've got three carabiners on each belt loop, and I can't walk. <laughs> and, and yeah, so. I, th I thought your pants were going to fall <laughs> down. He's weighted down, guys. <laughs> I want to be repaired in case gravity changed or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it was cute. You yeah. Know, I mean, it was, we had fun talking about that. Oh, so... Yeah, now that's uh, my then that turned into a carabiner obsession. So I have like a whole box of carabiners at home, and my kids every once in a while get into it and oh, yeah. take one. So um, I, my son, both of them now at this point, and my daughters have all ran around with carabiners on their pants at one oh. time or another. So it's it's passing on the legacy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, very very good. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean you, I mean. You've had this huge amount of experience with different fields and different expertise and all these different jobs and stuff. But throughout that, it seems like even throughout high school, you were interested in the arts and yeah, it was. whether it was yeah. photography or pottery. So yeah. um, that kind of leads me to how did you, when did you finally kind of decide to, to dive more into this and um, yeah, and kind of start Three Roosters Nursery? Well, the pottery, the, well, the pottery started when I went for photography. And um, photography, photography was fun. I just wasn't, it just wasn't talking to me. You know, I just, I just didn't feel the, the love. Um, although I met a lot of great friends there. You know, it was, it was a pretty cool. And this is, this is film photography, not the, you know, it wasn't even the new stuff, um, non-film photography. Yeah. 
Um, but they had a ceramics class, so I, I, I decided to take it, um, you know, I said, what the heck, you know. And for whatever reason, it was like, this is, this is pretty cool. I like this. And so it was like every day I was, all day long, I was in that ceramics class just throwing pots. Well, actually, I was throwing the cylinder. The, the teacher made me throw cylinders over and over and over. Because if, if you can throw a cylinder that's the same thickness from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top, um, you can throw anything. Okay. You know, so he just had me do that and that, and that's all I did. And and they had clay. I didn't have to buy clay because they had uh, buckets of reclaimed clay, you know. So I would just throw and throw and throw and throw and throw. And uh, so I thought, this is something I want to do. So I got a, a, a potter's wheel and um, all this, and I started. But, um, you know, the, uh, Ursula came along, and then it was like, eh, you got to get a job, you know. <laughs> so I got a job, and... Um, I actually got a job for Eddie Line Kayaks. So I used to build uh, Eddie Line Kayaks when they were down in... Actually, they were in Muckateel for a long time. Then we moved up to Paint Field. Now they're up in Burlington. And, okay. And it's still called Eddie Line, but Tom and Lisa don't own it any longer. And so um, so I did that, and, and I built Amy a kayak for a wedding present, um, and she bought me a potter's wheel. Oh, okay. And so we did that, and then... Um, uh, so up to today, I mean, uh, up to, what, seven years ago, I had everything. I had the potter's wheel, the kiln. Uh, everything I needed was in the barn collecting dust. So I built a pottery shop. I walled off a section of the barn, and I uh, built a shop, and I put all that stuff that I already had from 30-some years ago, and wow. I just started throwing pots again. And um, I saw a guy on uh, YouTube's name's, um, yeah, of course, I won't remember his name. No, anyway, he throws flower pots, and that's what that's his thing. He lives in Connecticut. Uh, uh, I want to say Wolf Guy Wolf. That's his name. And awesome guy went out to Connecticut, met him. Uh, really nice, his, him and his wife. Really nice people. Um, she's a, she's an artist too, and his his kids are artists. It's just really cool. Nice, beautiful country, Connecticut. I'd never been there before. We went in um, fall, so a lot of pumpkins and the trees are changing. It's oh, really cool. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Came home and started making flower pots, and part of the reason is because nobody else is. Maybe they will now now they hear this. But uh, if you go to if you go to our shows, I mean, you know, they're making butter dishes and bowls and yada 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 and plates. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. I, I want to do something different. So I started making vases and flower pots, and then I started carving on them, and then I started in in in, in um, taking a piece of clay and, and carving a, a, a critter on it and then sticking it on the pot and then carving it, carving the detail yeah. out of it. It's kind of a three-dimensional or two-dimensional thing. And uh, so that, that turned out really well, and that's what I'm doing now. Um, I'm coming out with some new designs. I've got a starfish design this year. I've got a I – mean, I like the blue heron. Blue heron's my favorite uh, critter out there in this, in, this, in this area. Okay. So I just – I really like them. And so they're my favorite. But turtles are real, real fun to do. Uh, sea turtles. Um, I did a dog, but I didn't particularly like it too much. I, I have to get better, more detailed. Um, and just a bunch of just trying stuff. Uh, making little succulent pots or sedum pots that you, you know you can see in windows and stuff um, in restaurants when you go back to a restaurant. <laughs> And um, just it's been fun, and so we've been doing art shows. And, yeah, uh, we don't sell at the house, I and mean, we tried doing that, but nobody came. It was kind of hard um, to do business when nobody shows up. So we decided we'd go to the people, and it turned out that that's the way 
that's the way the cookie crumbles, so to speak. Um, <laughs> it, it worked out well. And, and the art shows are fun. And the reason, one of the reasons they're fun is because rarely does anybody go to an art show um, who, who doesn't want to. You right. Know, they'll, you know, the guy will say, now you go, honey, I'll stay home and, uh, you know, mow the lawn. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story, though. I've done this Mother's Day show for a number of years. And uh, when Naked City was here, um, the uh, the guy would come in, you know, he on, on Mother's Day. Right. And she wants to look at all the stuff and he could care less. Right. But he's doing it because it's Mother's Day. Right. <laughs> so he's he's out there. He's got his arms folded across his chest and he's kind of shuffling his feet, looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. How much money is she going to spend today? You know, <laughs> and you can just see it on his face. Right. And then and then he looks around, he sees, oh, there's a brewery. <laughs> Honey, I'll be in there. And she's like, OK, I'll spend your money out here by myself, you know, and. It's really funny to watch, but it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, um, these art shows. You, you just, it's just really fun because you're in the booth, right? And, yeah. uh, and this humanity is passing you by. <laughs> it's like being in a, you know, it's like sitting at a, in a, in a bench in, in Vegas and watching everybody, you know, trying to act Vegas walk by, you know. Yeah. That's, that's crazy too, but this is, it's, but, but anyway, everybody's happy. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an upbeat atmosphere. It's, yeah. not a, it's not, when I worked on the, amb- I worked for Stanwood Ambulance, which is a side story and um that was a downer yeah because it's always a crisis you know right. it's always i mean we did have some funny calls uh, we had one kid get bit by a uh, gardener snake and then they called snake bite you know we show up and this kid's this is i won't tell you where it is but it's on the island he was in front of his house standing in front of his house screaming he's got this gardener snake on his <laughs> finger hanging down wiggling right <laughs> we pulled up and i just I mean, I just started laughing, you know, but you, <laughs> but you can't laugh. Right. But it's like, are you kidding me? You called us for this, you know, <laughs> he's just screaming, you know, we, we get out, we take the thing off and he grabs a shovel and he just chops the thing into a million pieces, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? That was pretty funny. We've had some other funny ones, but most of them are, most of the calls were pretty, pretty bad. In fact, I got, I got burned out really. I had a, there was a couple of serious pretty serious calls and it just it just affected me i should have quit way before i did it just it affected me it affected my sleep pattern it affected everything and i'm you know I, I i look back on those days with 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 fondness because i love helping people yeah but at the same token it it's it's pretty it's a pretty rough uh deal yeah with the, because you're always dealing with something horrible you know and and some of it's self-inflicted horrible and some of it is uh, horrible inflicted on innocent. And that was the hard, that's what got me was that part, you know? And yeah. so, but I had a friend that helped me through it, um, a lot. And, um, so that, that helped, you know, and, and things like that. But anyway, that was, that was, you know, that was quite a while ago. It was over 10 years ago. And, uh, so I don't even remember where I just started rambling. I, I'm rambling. <laughs> Uh, no, so, oh, great. drew me the pottery. I think that was what you asked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I. Um, that's how I got started in pottery. And yeah. uh, again, I mean, it was it was fun. I, I it's it's fun. I I'll put a book on tape. You know, it's I have a heater, so I'm warm in the winter. And the only thing I don't have is water. I've got to cart the water out there. And um, this year is gonna kind of weird though with the virus. Um, there might not be a lot of shows. So I, yeah. you know, I just have a lot of. Uh, I'll have a lot of inventory, which is a good thing. 
and um, I just don't have a lot of space for it. Right. But I'll have a lot of inventory, and maybe the Christmas shows will be the, the way to go this year. Yeah. Depends on what gets um, what gets uh, shut down. They're you know they're talking about shutting the Everett show sort of culture down in June, and then mm-hmm. maybe Mother's Day. And I do a show in Everett called Fresh Paint, and I haven't been accepted to that one yet, but if, you know, they're probably wondering what they should do too, and that's connected with the Shack Art Center. So okay. I might do galleries or, you know, maybe take something over the zipline people and, and see if, you know, if they'd like to put put what I make on their shelves. Yeah. Type of thing. And just try, I have to try different different things. And as far as the nursery part goes, um, we were we were a full-on nursery, and then we we uh, we we had to back it down. It was just too much work. I can't I can't do the pottery and and a full-on nursery. Yeah, it's just me and Amy. Yeah, you know, and so um, we decided just to do succulents because they they travel well. They travel really well. Okay, and um, the the other plants just it just didn't work out. And the succulents are easy to propagate. Okay, and so. Um, and I and when I need something, I'll go up to Skagit Valley Garden, not Skagit Valley, Skagit Gardens. Skagit Valley Gardens is the nursery. Skagit okay. Gardens is the wholesaler. I'll go up there and I'll get something. But we might, you know, in the future, we might just do away with that and just do pottery, just yeah. strictly pottery, and do and, and do that and and, and um, expand what we make. To what? Well, I have a new business card. It's called Functional Folk Art Pottery. Okay. And I think that might be our, our new name. I'll give you one. Sweet. And it's pottery that's pleasing to the eye as well as useful. And that's what we want to do. We want to do that type of thing. Oh, very cool. And um, so we did that, or we're doing that. And I, I just don't really know right now. I mean, because the, the sedums go so well with the pots that we make, the flower pots. Yeah. Uh, they just they just fit so totally together so well. Right. So um, dropping that would be, you know, it would be. I guess it's I guess it's more like a uh, eye candy to somebody passing your booth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, oh. I think they're neat because they're they're something that if you're not, especially you know people that live in apartments or. Um, you know, don't have room to put a full pot or something, they can still buy something that's right. really yeah. neat and, you know, unique. Easy to take care of. Yeah. yeah. There's three rules of growing succulents. It's sunshine, well-drained soil, and neglect. Most people kill succulents, or actually they kill all plants because they overwater. Okay. Plants don't like to be overwatered. They like moist soil, but they don't like wet soil. Yeah. So if, if, if you're out there and you say you don't have a green thumb, you're probably Overwatering. Okay. You know, so just there you go. <laughs> Free of ice. <laughs> you heard it, heard it here first. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I've gotten to, I mean, I, as you started re getting back into pottery, um, you know, I know got to see some of your early things as you were re getting back into it and everything. And now I'm like, um, in the short period of time, being able to see what you've created and what you've been bringing to the art, art festivals and stuff like that in the local community um, have just been really, really neat to be able to see everything. Like, I love the the sea turtle ones that you do. Um, they're just, like, uh, they're very unique and they're very neat yeah. that you're, like, do everything and then you have that as well. So That's what we're trying to do is be different, you know. We got a bear claw downstairs in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's, I use three three clays, a white clay, a red clay, and a black clay. 
and uh, and when it fired, it's it's black. It's called Cassius Clay, and those of you who are old enough knows <laughs> know who that is. Yeah. Uh, and um, it, it's amazing. A lot of people don't because they're not old enough. Uh, so the red clay is called um, Navajo Wheel, and the white clay is called JG Six. And I get all three of them from Tacoma Art, uh, Tacoma Art uh, Clay Center. That's what it is. And um, the black clay is really fun to work with. But it's it's a it's a finicky clay because it, uh, it it it's what they call a dirty clay, so you have to fire it very slow on the on the bis fire and then on the um, final fire with the glaze, and so it's sometimes it'll blister like a like a boil blister. Oh, okay. So you have to be very very careful with it, and uh, that was a learning curve, <laughs> uh, but it's so nice. It's just this dark rich black color yeah it looks really cool yeah. it looks like it's almost uh, like uh, full ceramic not yeah. clay at all so yeah a lot of people think it's the glaze but it's not it's just the it's just the the clay itself okay cuz i burnish the pots too which which gives them kind of a sheen okay so after they're leather hard um, I trim them and put a foot on them, and then I flip them upside down. And well, they're already flipped upside down. And then I, I, I use a, I have a, a few different tools that I use to burnish the thing to make it shiny. Okay. And it goes into the kiln. It's actually a lot shinier before it gets bisque, but it comes out pretty nice. It's yeah. got a nice little sheen to it. And then I tried polish them with some diamond uh, polishes one time, but it just, it just takes too long. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, but it's really cool. It's smooth. Yeah. yeah it's like, no, it looks know, really cool. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we're going long here, so I'm going <laughs> to go into a rapid-fire questions. But um, uh, So I like to end every podcast with some rapid-fire questions. Uh, so the first one is, do you have a lesser-known or favorite location on Camino Island that you like to hang out? Absolutely. Uh, and it's actually north of Camino Island, Skagit Flats. Okay. Uh, we call it the secret spot. Um, and it's only there at low tide. Uh, so you, you need a boat, and you don't want to go during duck hunting season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's warm in the summertime. Uh, it's the most beautiful beaches in the, in the, in the northwest are right there, but only at high, low tide. And then they disappear. So we would go out. There's a, place, a certain place we go, and there's a little swimming hole at low tide. And we'll, we'll ride the tide out. And then we'll park it. Well, I bring a barbecue. We just spend all day out there. And then uh, we go swimming or hiking. And um, the tide comes in. We pack everything up, put it in the canoe, and we just wait for the tide to float the boat. And it takes us all the way back to the put-in. So a very easy paddling. And, um, and also you can almost walk to Camino okay. from out there. It's not mud like, like at... Um, What's it, and, or not what's more the one at more road called in a more road by the airport uh english boom english boom yeah yeah that's super muddy yes yeah this is not muddy it's all the rivers from the logging days i assume it's 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 all the logging silt yep. or the silt left over and so it's sand and it's a lot of shellfish out there there's the um soft soft shelled clam and you can eat you can't eat the stomach but you can eat the siphon tube okay um takes a little bit of work because you got to split it open and get the sand out, but uh, pretty tasty. Um, That's one of the things I ate when I lived out there. Okay. And I would eat cattail roots, which are very good, actually, and pig's weed, and, you know, I'd I'd foraged. It was was a pretty fun experience. That's crazy. Anyway, that was where I would take people to answer the next question. That's where I would take, that's where I do take them. Yeah. Unless they're too old to to walk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to, to canoe. 
Um, my other favorite place would be Livingston Bay. They have a little hike down there. Okay. And there's a little trail called the Hobbit Trail. Yes. That's pretty fun. Uh, the kids really like that one, you know. Uh, so that's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, doing that and uh, but the state park, you know, we, we we used to go to state park. It was like free to get in and four bucks to camp. So we used to go there when the kids were little all the time. Yeah. They had that little three-sided sided shelter down at the, before they had the new one. And we you could just go in there anytime you wanted to. Mm. Didn't need a permit or anything. And right. It, we used to take the Coleman stove and make hot chocolate in the wintertime and watch the boats go by. Um, Ursula learned how to ride a bike down there. Okay. You know? Yeah. And um, it was just, well, then there's some sand, um, sand cliffs. And we used to go over yeah. there and write our names in the sand cliffs. And Yeah. Those things are awesome. Yeah, I spent a lot of time at the state park. You know, it's a, it's yeah. it's one of uh, the I think one of the nicest state parks around. It is. Um, I mean, it's yeah. just really, really, really nice. And there's tons of trails. I mean, if you like running, I mean, gosh, there's you you could probably I know from Cama Beach to the state park and back is over six miles. I mean, so you could do a lot of running, and it's yep. you smell the trees and the the whole bit. You know, there's no no car exhaust, no nothing. It's really, really, really nice. Yeah, it is. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Mary Margaret. Mary Margaret has lived here her whole life. In fact, she lives on Olson Road, and she's a she's a she's an Olson. And uh, she was I was talking to her one time. She's our center past senator. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is awesome. She's an awesome lady. Um, you know, she just knows a lot of history. She was telling me about the guy who owned our place. Okay. You know, and he was a dark skinned. Uh, <clears throat> I can't remember Italian or something. And then the, he was in love with some Norwegian gal or Swedish. I can't remember. Anyway, it was a big, Ooh, you can't do that. You know, yep. he's not, he's not the same race or what he's a human, but you know, yeah. he's dark. Uh, that's why Stanwood is so weird because it was twin cities. There was two cities. He had one group of people and another group of people, you know, most, most towns have a downtown, right? Cedar Woolley has a downtown. Arlington has a downtown. LaConnor has a downtown. Yeah. Uh, Stanwood has two downtowns. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, but they're doing a good job. I got it. hats off to the mayor and all those people. They're, they're really trying to, to knit that bring together, it together, bring yeah. it together, you know, and uh, hats off. But the, it was a, the beginning wasn't so nice. Yeah. They didn't like each other, you know. And it's just like that. Anyway, long story short, Mary Margaret, she has a lot of, a lot of inf- information. I mean, you you would need to do a two-part two two, yeah. two podcast with her because she can just, you know, she's, and any, any, anybody else who uh, like her, and I don't know who that is. I mean, you've, you've interviewed t- just a ton of people now, so. I mean, yeah, I fun. still have a huge list, so. Yeah. Um, all right. And lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino right as you're driving on the island, what would that say? It's a Gruß Gott, welcome Welcome, that's I'm supposed to say it in welcome to Camino, but say it in German. And Grüß Gott is God's greeting. So God's greeting, welcome to Camino Island. Very cool. Grüß, Grüß Gott. Umlauts over the O and U. They, Very they, cool. they say that in German. When I lived over there, it's kind of like as you're walking and you pass somebody, you say Grüß Gott. Okay. Kind of like on, on Lopez, the Lopez wave, right? Do you know about that? No, I don't think I do. If you ever go to Lopez Island and you're driving around, every car you pass, they're going to wave at you. And okay. You, and you have to wave back. Oh, no. <laughs> and, w- and then when you get back to Anacortes, you start waving everybody, and they're like, what's wrong with you? 
<laughs> you know. Do I know them? Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So they would say Grutus Scott. Okay. And, uh, so I just thought that would be really cool. God's greeting. Welcome to Camino Island. Yeah. You know. Very cool. That's not going to happen, but, <laughs> you know, maybe if I own a real estate company, it might. There you go. But I don't. <laughs> anyway, right. Brandon, it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I wish I could talk more. Yeah, well, we'll have to get you on for a second round. I'm still trying to get your son as well, because as I oh. said, you're you're an airline pilot, so you know you're somewhat of interest. And he's like, I'm not coming on. <laughs> oh, he so should. He maybe we it. can drag him on somehow. Yeah, he's having a good time. I'm really I'm really proud of him. He, he you know he took a lot of hard work and uh, time, and it was he had some stress involved, you know. But he's he he, he persevered and he came through it. They both did actually, both Ursula. They, she, yeah, she persevered too, and you know they they they've done really well for themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I'm really proud of them, and I'm proud of you too. I mean, taking over this business, you know, it's really awesome. Yeah, you know, you been, and TJ both. You know, it's just really cool. It's it's really been fun. It's been fun watching you grow up. Oh, good. <laughs> Tell me when I'm grown up. <laughs> yeah, well, you should take that carabiner off your pet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's staying. <laughs> oh, all right, Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Bob Schrofer for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash EP39. That's kamenocommons.com slash EP39. Uh, thanks for listening and see you next time.